Amen. I am, um, man, what a, what a great way to start out our worship this year, just remembering Christ and Christ crucified. It's him that we want to honor. It's him that we want to bring all glory to today in this service. So I'm really glad that you're here. I'm glad we get to open up God's word together. And if you have your Bible now, I want to invite you to take it and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that's where we're going to be today. Um, I do really do hope that 2024 has gotten off to a great start for you. Um, I also greatly appreciated Scott Dixon's sermon last Sunday as we kind of recapped God's work in our church over 2023. I like how he kind of ended the year and with that sermon. And one of the things he said in that sermon was that New Year's resolutions are actually good for us. Why? It's because they cause us to reflect on life and to um, really remember God's work in the past, to think about what's most important in the future. Um, And so here, as we come to the beginning of 2024, people have been starting to ask, you know, what's, what's next in the life of University Baptist Church, right? In 2022, 2023, we were very focused on everything involving the Make Him Known initiative, but now that initiative is done, 2023 is over, What's next? What's going to be our new focus as a church now? What are we going to be kind of thematically rallying around? And so for the past several months, the elders, the staff, the leadership team has really had a sense of where we believe God wants us to focus next on our season of life as a church. And that's why I want to start out introducing some of that to you through this sermon series that we're calling Multiply, right? In this series, We're talking about what we believe is God's desire for us to build a reproducing and multiplying ministry in the life of our church. Now, uh, let me just start out right away. Um, For all of us who struggle in math, I realize like we talk about multiply like right away. Some of us can be like, "Mm, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a struggle. Okay, so I'm there with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm using the word multiply very intentionally because multiplication is very different from addition. I want you to just engage the brain with me for a minute and uh, do that hard work and think about addition, okay? If, here's the, here's the, the thing. If I have 10 of something and then I add two to it, how many do I have? 12, you guys, so good. You guys are a wonderful church, okay? So now think about multiplication. It's a little bit different, right? If I have 10 and I multiply it by two, now I have 20. Whoa, man. All right. So in addition, right, in addition, um, you add some to what you already have. But in multiplication, you reproduce all of what you already have. Now, my point is, is that the future of our church, we believe, isn't really about adding to the number of people who are already here. Rather, we want to see strategic reproduction in the lives of all the disciples who are already here. Right? And we're going to have some more illustrations of that, and we're going to talk more about that as we go through this message today. But with that idea of multiplication in mind, let me just be a little more specific with you. Okay, So we believe that the Lord is leading us to focus on multiplying our ministry efforts in four specific ways. So we're going to take the four Sundays of this month, and we're going to address one specific aspect of that multiplication each week. So today, I'm going to be talking about multiplying the gospel and how every believer needs to be sharing the gospel with unbelievers. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about multiplying disciples, that every disciple needs to be making disciples. Um, January 21st, we're focusing on multiplying leaders. Every leader makes new leaders. 
in January 28th, we're going to talk about multiplying churches, that every church needs to be involved in making new churches. And so that's going to be our focus for the next season of life as a church. That's what this sermon series is going to be about this month. Now, let me just step back for a minute and say, uh, I'm going to answer a question that I know at least some of you are already asking. Um, And that question is, uh, hey, Jason, like these short topical series have been fine. They're good, but we really want to know when you're going to preach through another book of the Bible. All right. I know you're asking that because some of you have actually pulled me aside and asked me that. Okay. Uh, And here's what I want to say to you. You guys know that that's my favorite way to preach is to preach straight through books of the Bible. Starting in February, we're going to be taking a slow and sweet and intentional journey through the book of Genesis. And so we're going to start that in February. It's going to be a nice long series. There's like 50 chapters in Genesis, right? So if you thought Acts was a long series for us, like just get ready, right? We'll work our way through Genesis in chunks, kind of like we did with Acts, and it'll be fun. But that's going to be starting next month. But for this month, I really wanted to introduce to you what we believe God is going to have us focus on for the next couple years as a church. It's this idea of multiplication of ministry. And so um, that's where we're going to start today. And today I want to talk about multiplying the gospel. So here's how I want to work through this sermon. And really this is going to be our structure for every sermon in this series. I want to read our main passage of scripture And then I want to talk through the topic in three parts. We're going to talk about what it means, right? What it means to multiply the gospel. Then we're going to talk about why it's important to multiply the gospel. And then third, how will we apply it as a church? And every Sunday when we get to that third section of the message about application, uh, there will be a, a ministry leader from our church who comes up on stage and really talks about some specific things that are going to be happening in the life of our church that tie into the subject matter for that day. And so when we get to the end of this month, we get to the end of this series, you know, I'm going to be asking you, we're going to be asking you about what are the next steps that the Lord has put on your heart concerning um, helping UBC become a multiplying ministry, right? So perhaps some of you are going to be really compelled to start taking steps to be uh, involved in multiplying the gospel. Some of you may be drawn towards multiplying disciples and either getting into a discipleship relationship or starting to initiate one with someone else. Some of you are going to be burdened to maybe invest in a ministry leader, train up a next ministry leader, or to maybe start to become trained as a future ministry leader. Some of you are really going to be compelled through this series to say, hey, the Lord is burdening my heart for the multiplication of churches, so I'm really drawn to learning more and being involved in church planting. I'm excited to see how the Lord moves in this series over the next month or so, and then also how he's going to continue to use this in the life of our church for the next season. So let's uh, be in prayer about that together as we move forward. But today, we're going to talk about this idea of multiplying the gospel. And I want to teach you about it today from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Specifically, we're we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. Before I read our text, let me just speak uh, a word about the context. Um, 1 Corinthians, written by the Apostle Paul, he's writing it around 55 AD. He had previously preached the gospel to the people of Corinth around 51 AD, At that time, some of them had believed and a church was started there around 51 AD, but over the four-year period between the start of their church and the time that Paul is now writing this letter, they really struggled with a lot of things. In fact, if you read 1 Corinthians, what you would see is that mostly 1 Corinthians is mostly a 
kind of a corrective letter where Paul is correcting them or giving them further instruction on how to do things the right way. And so they had a lot of issues in their church that needed to be addressed. And one of the big issues that needed to be addressed was this whole problem of the, the fact that the people were dividing into factions and groups based off of their preferred church leader, right? So this whole celebrity church, you know, this celebrity culture, celebrity church culture that we live in now, this was going on 2,000 years ago, where some of the people were very drawn to the Apostle Paul because they believed under his ministry when he first preached. Well, after the Apostle Paul left, a few years later, a man named Apollos came, and he preached, and he had a powerful ministry, and he was effective in evangelism and teaching. And so some people believed under Apollos' ministry and were very drawn to Apollos. Well, then there were still others in the church who had a Jewish background, and so they had um, been ministered to by Peter, the Apostle Peter. Maybe some of them were at Pentecost when Peter preached in Pentecost and were saved then. You know, and there ended up being these groups, right, in the city of Corinth, in the church in Corinth, that started to align themselves, you know, as followers of Peter or Apollos or, or some with Paul. And Paul writes to them and he says, look, you know, these divisions, this, these ways you're dividing yourself over your preferred leader, he's like, that's not godly. That's not led of the spirit. That's just led of your own fleshly humanity. Like, you need to let that stuff go. There's nothing extra spiritual about that. It's actually a sign of spiritual immaturity. And you need to end these divisions over uh, such a, a, um, a non-important topic. And so in the middle of this section about a, having a proper view of Christian leadership, Paul makes this statement that I believe is going to be very helpful to us when it comes to having a proper view of um, what it means to multiply the gospel and sharing the faith with others. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Paul writes and he says this, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Thanks be to God for his holy and precious word. Um, now, as we jump into this message, I want to start again by hitting our first topic, which is what, what does it really mean to multiply the gospel? And the first thing that we see from our text is this. The first thing it means is it means that every believer begins engaging with unbelievers to help them believe. Right? That's multiplying the gospel starts there, that every believer is engaging other believers to help them believe. Paul alludes to this in verse five when he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Here's what they are. Servants through whom you Corinthian believers believed. So Paul is saying that, you know, God used his ministry and Apollos' ministry to bring these Corinthian people to their faith. And Paul goes on to say, like, hey, Apollos and I, we're not the big deal. Don't divide yourselves over us. We're just servants of the one who really is the big deal. We're servants of God. And so God used us to help you, and the thing that he used us to help you do was to believe in him. And let me just say this. Like, I'm really glad that God used the Apostle Paul and Apollos to bring these Corinthian believers to faith. And the reason why I'm specifically glad about that is because as they started to come to faith and uh, form as a church and even go through the issues that they had to deal with, what that meant was that the Apostle Paul had to write to them these letters that ended up 
being now known as 1st and 2nd Corinthians, which ended up being in our Bible, which we now can read and receive further instruction about the will of God for his church. So I'm very glad for the fact that God used Paul and Apollos in their ministries to write these letters like 1st Corinthians. And as we're talking about the gospel today, one of the reasons why I'm specifically thankful for Paul's letter to the Corinthian church is because 1st Corinthians actually contains probably the most succinct and clear statement of what the gospel is, right? We, we start talking about the gospel. So many people can be confused on what the gospel actually is, and our world kind of tries to take it and make it different things that it's not. I'm glad that in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul tells us directly what the gospel is. Here's what 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 says. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you when you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And here's, here it is. Here's the gospel. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Amen. Guys, this is the gospel in a nutshell. We don't need to be confused about what the gospel is. We don't mean to make it overcomplicated. This is the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, right? You needed someone to die for your sins. There's a debt that had to be paid, a sacrifice that had to be made, and none of us were qualified to pay for it because we weren't the perfect sinless one that could offer atonement for the sins of the world. On the cross, Jesus, the sinless son of God, died not to pay for his own sins, but to pay for our sins, Right? So Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was our substitute. He did so according to the scriptures. What that means is that through prophets like Isaiah and other Old Testament writers, God had prophesied that when his Messiah came, he would suffer for the sins of the people, that he would die on their behalf. So according to the scriptures, Jesus Christ died. And the scripture says that he was buried and was raised again, right? To show that through him, there is victory of sin, over sin and there is victory over death, right? That we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. This is the gospel. Christ died for your sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried and he was raised again. That is the gospel. And you know what the word gospel means? The, gospel, the word gospel means good news. Which, so let me just say this. When it comes to the gospel, it is news. It's not advice, all right, when it comes to the gospel, it is news to be announced to the world. It is not advice to be suggested to the world. All right, this is, this is historical fact that we as God's uh, ministers of the gospel, we have the opportunity to proclaim the historical facts of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection according to the scriptures. All right, so this is good news. It is to be announced, and it is to be believed but here's the thing. The, the problem is you can't believe a gospel that you've never heard. I can't believe a gospel that I've never heard, which means that we as God's people need to be about the business of sharing the gospel with the world. And what a blessing it is to be the ones who get to deliver the good news. What a blessing it is for you and for me to be the people who carry the hope of the gospel into the world. I wonder if you can remember when you first heard the gospel. I wonder if you can remember when you first believed the gospel and who delivered it to you. This past week, I was uh, talking with one of our deacons, Greg Baker. Many of you guys know Greg. You recognize his face. You've seen him around. Um, 
Greg Baker believed the gospel when he, was, when he had just turned 40 years old. At that point in time in his life, he was an addict. He had many problems in his life. He had, his family was falling apart. He had lost his business. Things were unraveling for him. He went to a church service one day in Vandalia because some friend invited him to go. And that day, a pastor who Greg had never met preached the gospel, invited people to repent of their sins and be forgiven of their sins and have eternal life through Christ. And that day, Greg, he he told me yesterday, he's like, Jason, I don't even really know why I, I received the gospel other than I just, God was doing it in me. And he said that day he repented of his sins and believed upon Christ. Now, what a blessing, right? What a blessing that Greg heard the gospel that day through some pastor that he had never met, some person he had never met. That pastor was God's servant, like Paul, like Apollos, preaching the gospel for people to believe it. Guys, for us, as God's servants, we too get the blessing of sharing the gospel and taking the gospel to the world, bringing the gospel and calling other people to believe it. Now, Multiplying the gospel, what does it mean? It means every believer is engaging unbelievers to help them believe. That's the first part of what 1 Corinthians teaches us about multiplying the gospel. Here's the second part that I want you to see. It also means having a planting and watering mentality. Having a planting and watering mentality as we share the gospel. Paul says in verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So again, we got to remember the history of how things unfolded with the Corinthian church. Um, Paul preached to them first. Some of them believed. Then Apollos came. He emphasized the same message Paul uh, had preached. So those already believers grew more through Apollos. And then some people were hearing the gospel for the first time. They believed. But ultimately, whether they were believing or growing, however the fruit was being produced, it was God that gave the growth. And so Paul is saying when it comes to this reception of the gospel, two things are very important for us to understand when it comes to people being drawn to faith in Christ. First of all, it takes time and it's a team effort. It takes time and it's a team effort. I just want you to think about the simple analogy of, of you know, growing a garden, right? Think about planting, watering, and then growing seed in a garden. The, the whole process takes time. Step one, seed's got to be planted. Step two, Seed's got to be watered and nourished. Step three, photosynthesis has to go on and you know the seed grows, right? But none of that happens overnight. It takes time. Think about that in the life of someone who comes to faith in Christ. Often it takes time and often it's a team effort. People, sometimes, you know, very often people initially hear the gospel from some particular person, their parents, their grandparents, a family member. Maybe they hear the gospel initially from uh, a friend in college or a coworker, or, you know, they hear it on the radio or they see, you know, somebody preaching on TV and there's this initial planting of the seed of the gospel in their hearts. Well, then time goes on. Usually the, a lot of times people don't believe right away, but time goes on and further conversations happen and new people come into their lives and that seed of the gospel is, is watered by someone else and someone else starts to answer questions and go deeper. And then one day it's like everything just clicks. And these people who never once cared about Christ and him dying on the cross and, you know, they wouldn't have cared about their, their own sin and their need to repent, suddenly it all makes sense. And, and they start to cherish that Jesus died for them so that they could be forgiven of their sins and eternal life could be offered to them. And these things start to click and make sense and it's like their spiritually blind eyes just, they can miraculously see. God does that work, right? 
but multiple people played a role along the way. It's a team effort. Again, back to our friend Greg. Greg trusted in Christ that day at that church in Vandalia, but even prior to that point, God was already working through other people in his life, you know? Um, Greg uh, had placed Christians in the AA group that Greg got connected to. Those people would share their testimonies. Some of those people in that AA group started to invite Greg to go to church with them. Greg would go to church with those people, and then honestly, they would all go to those churches together, not because they were Christians, but because there were, it was kind of a good, positive environment for them to be around and because the church had good music, right? And so that's, they would kind of go. But nevertheless, at that church, the gospel was being presented in the lyrics of the songs that they were liking. The gospel was being preached by whoever the preacher was. And then later, at a totally different church under a totally different teacher, that's when Greg's heart was opened and the blinders came off his eyes and and he could see and he believed. Guys, that was a process involving different people. It took time and it was a team effort. And as we share the gospel with people, you and I need to realize it's often going to be a process. God's going to bring other people in to that process to help uh, unbelievers become believers. It's not always this immediate conversion and, and it's certainly not all on us Right? God brings other people into the process. So planting, multiplying the gospel means having a planting and watering mentality. Some will plant, others will water. God gives the growth. Which leads to the third part of what it means to multiply the gospel. And that is that we need to trust God to bring results for his glory. When it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing the gospel, You and I, guys, like, this is not about us. This is not about us winning converts to ourselves. This is not about us getting some sort of tally mark for how many people we've led to Christ. It's not about how many new believers we can put on some report that came to Christ through our church. Look, when people become saved, it's all for the glory of God. He does it. He gets the glory. Right? You know, um, Greg Baker's story, again, is just, it's it's such a, a good story, right? He... If you meet Greg now, Greg, you know, he became a believer when he was 40. He's like 60-some now, so he had 20, over two decades following Jesus. He, that guy is passionate about sharing the gospel. He loves to share the gospel. He, you know, uh, years ago, Greg was so excited about sharing the gospel, I, I remember talking to him one day and saying, you know, Greg, like, man, you just love the gospel so much. I was like, you're, you're gospelicious. <laughs> And uh, we, that's become kind of our joke. One year I gave him a, a Christmas present of a sweatshirt with the word gospelicious embroidered on the back. It was awesome. And actually, if you haven't heard this yet, Greg's actually drafting a short book right now with the title of Gospelicious, which is pretty cool, right? Um, but this week we were talking about how, uh, you know, we talked about when he first believed the gospel, but then we started talking about how when he first shared the gospel, and he, he remembers the first time that he ever shared the gospel with someone else. He, had, he talks about how he felt like he wasn't super confident in sharing the gospel yet, but he had this little sticker that somebody gave him like, that he stuck in the front of his Bible, like how to share the gospel, how to talk to somebody about salvation. And so he kept looking at the sticker and following the passages and going back and forth. And he talks about, he, he said this to me. He said, Jason, I kind of fumbled through it, but nothing made me more happy. Right, just... Because he had come to understand it really wasn't about him. God uses the feeble preaching of people like us to like 
bring people to salvation in Christ. Right? We plant, we water. God gives the increase. God gives the growth. And the truth, guys, is that we're going to become more confident in the planting and the watering as we become more confident in the God who does the growing. So when it comes to our efforts to share the gospel, we simply have to do our part of planting and watering the seeds and then we trust God to grow the seed of the gospel into the fruit of faith. And I share this with you guys because I think we can sometimes get down on ourselves, you know, we, we start to share the gospel and people don't immediately believe and then we, we get discouraged we get down on ourselves. Sometimes we get really nervous because maybe we might have been in the church for a long time, but if we're honest, maybe we've never shared the gospel with anyone. And we don't really know how, but we're kind of afraid to admit that. So we're nervous about sharing the gospel because we don't know if we'd have all the answer to the questions or we don't know if we'd make the presentation super clear. And I get that. I totally understand that internal struggle, but here's what I hope sets you free. I think a lot of times we view the gospel as this Jesus sales pitch where we, we present the pitch and then hopefully we can seal the deal at the end. And I just, I want to say, I've said this before, I, the gospel is not a sales, it's not a Jesus sales pitch. It would do us well to stop thinking of the gospel like a sales pitch and think of it more like the planting of a garden. We plant, we water, God gives the increase. And let me say this. When God gives the increase, He's the one who gets all the glory. None of us can make a planted and watered seed grow. Nobody can do that. God makes photosynthesis happen and then suddenly we have a tree. In the same way, only God can make the seed of the gospel grow in the heart of an unbeliever. So when God does it, God should get all the glory. Now that's what it means to multiply the gospel. That every believer engages unbelievers to help them believe that we do so by having a watering and planting mindset and we do so by trusting God to bring the results for his glory. Now that's the what of multiplying the gospel. Let me just quickly talk to you about the why. Why is it important for us to share the gospel? Um, Three things I just want to quickly mention to you. Because of the number of unbelievers in our world, because of the number of unbelievers in our city, And because Jesus is coming back soon, okay? Guys, when it comes to the unbelievers in our world, there there are approximately 8 billion people on this planet. Those 8 billion people can be subdivided down into approximately 17,000 different people groups around the world. Now, when I say people groups, I don't just mean, you know, geopolitical nations. I don't just mean... uh, certain, you know, skin colors and races. I'm talking about people who are ethnically in about 17 different, 17,000 different people groups around the world. 10,000 of those 17,000 have already been reached with the gospel, meaning that there is a sustainable gospel presence with churches and that types of things in and among those 10,000 people groups. But there are 7,000 people groups around the world that are still considered unreached. What that means is there are less percent, less than 2% of their population uh, believes the gospel. Of those 7,000 unreached people groups, about 4,000 of them are totally unengaged. That means that as far as we know, the best our, miss, our missiologists can tell, 
um, there is no believer among them. There is no sustained gospel presence or no evangelical church. 4,000 people groups totally unengaged. This is why we're doing things like pastoring with Pastor Fabian in Argentina that we prayed about in the beginning of our service. It's because God is using him and his ministry to reach unreached people groups in South America in and around his city. But, you know, that's, that's just a couple of the unreached people groups that he's reaching. There's, there's 4,000 of them, right? So we want to be a church that puts a dent in bringing that number down and so we've got to multiply the gospel. Why? Because of the vast amount of unbelievers in our world. Here's the second reason why. It's because of the vast amount of unbelievers in our city. Guys, there are approximately a million people that live in the greater Dayton area, about 170,000 who live in Greene County, about 45,000 of them live, in, live here in Beaver Creek. How many of them are Christians? I shared this with you a couple of years ago, and I just want to reiterate it now. The 2010 census was the last census that really asked anything detailed about religion. In the 2010 census, 64% of the people in our area claimed that they had no religious affiliation. 64%. 36% of the people in Greene County claimed to be religious of some sort, some sort of religion. Of those people, 15% of them considered themselves to be Christians. And that's just kind of a generic category that includes Latter-day Saints and Roman Catholics and evangelicals and, you know. So even if we assumed that all of those people who claim to be Christians actually are Christians, then here's the reality. It's very likely that we have about 850,000 people in the greater Dayton area who don't believe the gospel, about 147,000 of them in Greene County that don't believe the gospel, and about 38,000 of them right here in Beaver Creek who don't believe the gospel. Guys, people in our city need the gospel. This is why we're going to continue to make efforts to reach the lost among us. It's why we're going to be ramping up church planting efforts with people like Will Massaro and Trails Church that we prayed about at the beginning of this service because they are taking the gospel to people like the Turkish community, the Muslim Turks, who, as best we know, don't have any believers among them right now. We're going to be talking more about that in week four of this series, and I'm looking forward to that, but we need to multiply the gospel because of the vast amount of unbelievers in our city. And of course, last, we, we got to multiply the gospel, guys, because Jesus is going to come soon, okay? No man knows the day or the hour, the scripture says. I'm not up here to predict a date or do anything foolish like that. But I can tell you this with all the certainty in my heart. 2,000 years have passed since the time of Christ. His coming, his return is closer now than it's ever been before. My family and I have been uh, studying the book of Revelation together. So that's been fun. You know, we've got 16-year-old, 14-year-old, 11-year-old, 9-year-old. We're going through Revelation. They're asking all sorts of questions. It's been great. And, uh, as we've studied this, one of the things that's really just kind of popping out is like this reality that there's going to come a day when Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he returns, he's going to judge the living and the dead. And at that time, there's no more opportunity for people to believe. So there's going to come a day when this opportunity for heaven is gone. This opportunity to have your sins forgiven is gone. This opportunity to be with the Lord forever is gone, right? 
And so this puts within us the sense of urgency saying, Lord, we got to get the gospel out to as many people as possible before Christ returns. So it's important for us to multiply the gospel because Christ is coming soon and our city and our world is lost without him. So we got to be about it. Now, how are we going to be involved in it as a church? How will we apply this? Like I said at the beginning of this message, um, during this applicational portion of uh, each sermon, I'm going to have a ministry leader come up on stage and talk about application, right? And so I want to invite Jim Corbin to make his way up here. Most of you probably know Jim Corbin. Some of you may not, but Jim is one of our deacons in our church. He's on staff here as the director of missions and mercy ministry with us. And Jim, I have to say in my lifetime, he is one of the most passionate people that I know about reaching lost people with the gospel. And so I am really uh, encouraged and blessed that he's going to take a few minutes and share about some opportunities for our church. Jim? Uh, thank you, Pastor Jason. Um, when we talked about earlier this morning about the addition and the multiplication, I brought with me two uh, a brother and sister in Christ who, who love to share the gospel as well, one of which when they shares the gospel, he's making sure that he's replicating and training individuals on how to share the gospel and the other one loves to share the gospel, but is not really training at the same time. So they're both going to go out and they're going to be sharing the gospel. And they share the gospel and it comes to someone knows the faith and they, they come in. And as they're, as they're going through discipleship, they're also, you know, talking about the gospel. And it comes a time when it's over, they go ahead and they get ready and they're going to go share the gospel again. So Jesse has his guy ready and they're getting ready to go and Sandy's going out and they're going to share the gospel again. We're going to go share the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to reach the city where they live, right? We just heard there are so many people that are, uh, need to hear the gospel. So as we're going through it, Sandy has went ahead and shared, and she's talked again, and Jesse and his friends have been a dude. And it would, after a bit of time, they're going to go share the gospel again. And on this side, they have all know how to share the gospel. But over here, we have one that knows how to share the gospel. And as we see on this side, they continue to share the gospel with others. We're making gospel makers. We're, we're learning how to do this. On this side, we're still sharing the gospel. We're still growing, right? We're still growing. And over time, we go ahead and we're going to share one more time. We're going to go share the gospel. And everybody knows how to share the gospel goes out to their, their friends, their neighbors, and they're going to share. And they're going for long walks and they're sharing the gospel. And over time, we can see, even in this part of the city, the gospel is being shared. The number of believers are growing by the, by the efforts. But look what happens as we all learn to grow and to learn how to share the gospel and if we're all going out to share the gospel, real quickly, we can see how quickly it grows. Those that are getting ready to hear, and as Pastor Jason mentioned, some of them may have heard it before, but it's taken root and it's learning. So thank you, everybody. But you can see multiplication and addition. That's why we want to multiply. We get to hear the gospel out with more. But Pastor Jason also said in his message, sometimes we feel... Uh, insecure, inadequate at times on being able to share the gospel, right? I don't know how to sh possibly share my testimony, how God has changed me. I may not know how quickly and how to share the gospel reproducible like Jesse was able to do on this side. 
or I may not know who to go share the gospel with. So we want to be able to provide training opportunities here at UBC. And so through the course of this, we're going to have a few training opportunities. The first one is the first Saturday of every month. We're going to have the opportunity from 9 to 1030 in the morning here at UBC, where we'll teach these reproducible tools, which will give you uh, some of the ability to go out and share. And then uh, following that, if you want to join us, that's the same Saturday we go out and prayer walk here in Beaver Creek, trying to bring the gospel to those near our church. We also have the opportunities to, for growth groups. So as a growth group, if you want to be trained together, you want to talk through it, we're willing to come to growth groups, we'll come train. But let's say that you're, you're not in a growth group, but you have a family unit, you have friends, you guys want to be trained as well, we'll come to homes, meet you somewhere, we'll all be able to, uh, to train. And to do this, some of these, like the training and the prayer walking, that's an event that'll be off the, the UBC page. You can go ahead and sign up off on those. You know where we're doing it. Otherwise, if it's a growth group, just reach out to myself or Aldean, say, hey, we need, we'd like to be trained. Uh, our emails are on the website. Um, you can uh, call into the church. They'll get it to us, uh, any of those ways like that. But once we have those opportunities to train and we're trained, you're like, well, where can we go? Well, we just talked through, right? There's unbelievers in the world. There's unbelievers in our city. So we want to be able to reach our Jerusalem, Miami Valley, our Judea and Samaria, the U.S., and the rest of the world. And so to do that, we're providing opportunities. So in the Miami Valley, we're prayer walking, right? We have our relationships that we know in here. And as Pastor Jason talked, there are some um, church plants that we're going to be able to help, like Trails Church up in Uber Heights. And so we'll talk and we'll have opportunities that we can sign up and we're going to go work with Pastor Will. Nationally, there's going to be opportunities as well as globally to take mission trips. So if you're in the student ministry, Stuman is taking a trip this summer in the June time frame. They're going to go to Utah. They're going to go work with a church plant and they're going to be working with that church plant who's trying to reach the Mormons in um, Logan, Utah. So there's going to be interest meeting. Rob's um, going to meet with the parents and students and be able to do that in June. Um, also, we have Builders for Christ that's going to be going to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. You might sit there and say, well, Builders for Christ, they build the buildings that we come in and sit. That's true. But you're going to Wisconsin. You're going to be there for a week. You have to eat. You're going to be going out into the neighborhoods so you can be sharing the gospel while you're working on the building. So we'll be able to train and do that. Globally, we have quite a few opportunities. I'm going to bring up four today, but the rest, there's other ones on our website. But over the summer, we have a trip that you can go to Honduras in May, Uganda in June, Bosnia, the end of June, the first part of July. Yes, we know Aldean has been hurt. He's healing. He's going to be ready, he says, by June. He's going to Bosnia. Bosnia. Or in August, we're going to go to Argentina as well. So Honduras is going to be a, a mixture. of It's a medical evangelism trip, if anybody likes that. Uganda, we're going to work with refugees who are coming out of uh, South Sudan, where there's war going on. They need, they need to hear the gospel so they can take it back to South Sudan. Bosnia, we know, is a Muslim country that really needs to hear it. And in Argentina, we're just going to help Pastor Fabian and his church as they're trying to, to reach the gospel as well. I said all of those are on the website. You can sign up for the trips off that. 
If you want to hear more about it, I'll be here today. Again, you can reach out to Aldine and I. We'd love to tell you more about the trips or even other trips. And if one of those countries is not what's on your heart and you want to go somewhere else, still reach out because we... I'm not saying we know people. We know where we can get you. There may be other trips that we may not be going on, but others may be going on. We'd love to get you there. And so we'd love to be able to get the gospel out. But to do that, we really need to have God working on our hearts for us to be willing to be used by him as he used Paul, Apollos, and others to be able to share the gospel. So I want to lead us in prayer for God to be working on our hearts as well as we become equipped to share the gospel. So Father God, we're so thankful, Lord, for your love. Father, we're so thankful um, for your grace and your mercy as we've uh, sung already today, Lord, how uh, you finished it on the cross. Lord, we know there are many that need to hear about your grace, about your love. And Lord, we know that you're asking us to step out in faith. And so, Father, we just ask that you give us the the strength and the encouragement, Lord, that you fill us with the same love that you have for for others, Lord, that our desire is for you to be made known um, here in Beaver Creek, Lord, in our area, in Dayton, and around the world. Lord, we look forward to the day when you return. But Lord, we know that there are others that need to hear about that before you do. So that there will be every tongue and nation around the throne lifting and giving you praise as you deserve all the glory. So Father, draw us, use us, and Lord, we're so thankful. And it's in your mighty Son's name of Jesus we pray. Amen.